Welcome to Health Matters, Sonoma's weekly program devoted to health and well-being. Each week through interviews, editorials, and listener participation, we will explore topics and issues of contemporary medicine and its relationship to the lifestyles of our community. Our goal is to provide you with information and resources to help you achieve and maintain what you deserve, a happy, healthy, and productive life. I'm your host, Dr. Ned Hoke, a veteran in natural methods healthcare, speaking with you today from Sonoma Valley, California, for an hour of health topic digestion and discussion. Please stay with us. And welcome to Health Matters, Dr. Ned Hoke, today joined by Dr. Mike Cheatham. And we're talking about a program called Stop the Bleed, which is an innovative, so far as I know, relatively new program. And, and this is coming out of Orlando Health in Florida. And Dr. Mike Cheatham and a Dr. Ibrahim, Ibrahim uh, were apparently, uh, well, they're the level one trauma center uh, folks in Orlando. And are you the originators of this t- training or are you simply promoters of it? Uh, solely promoters of it. Uh, uh-huh. Stop the Bleed is a uh, now international uh, program uh, that was started uh, after the Sandy Hook uh, massacre many years ago. Uh, and it uh, is promoted by the American College of Surgeons, uh, as well as uh, a number of other societies, as well as the Department of Defense, as a way to train uh, the public, how to stop life-threatening bleeding. Right. And so w- many of us have been to CPR, CPR classes. We've been to, some of us have been to first aid courses. This is a, a remarkably a, a sort of, seems to me, if, if it's a 90-minute class, it's a relatively short class. Tell us a little bit about how it is you decided the the timing of it, and and also the, uh, the 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 spread of the of the intention, should we say? How did how did you design the course? It's, this is obviously the most. It was I guess I'm saying obviously I don't know, but it seems like it, it, it's the most basic level course of this type. Sure. So I'm glad you brought up CPR because when I teach the class, I like to point out to uh, the people who take our courses. Uh, that you know, many have taken CPR, but the reality is you're probably more likely in your lifetime to have to stop life-threatening bleeding than you are to try and, and have to try and restart someone's heart. Uh, it is something that, that we all encounter in our daily lives. Uh, you know, you could be sitting at dinner tonight and, and your spouse, uh, you know, cries out from the kitchen because uh, he or she has cut their hand Uh, on a kitchen knife. It's a very common occurrence. Uh, What we try and teach people is that it's very simple and very straightforward to be able to stop uh, bleeding, be it minor or life-threatening. Our belief and the mantra of stop the bleed is that no one should die of uncontrolled hemorrhage. Uh, And so we teach the participants in the course three different ways to be able to stop uh, bleeding, uh, it can be done very, very quickly. Uh, it's something that uh, people of all ages can learn. Uh, I have taught this to a 7- and 8-year-old. Uh, I've taught this to 98-year-olds. Uh, it is, it's straightforward, common sense, uh, you know, what you have on hand 
to be able to save a person's life. Mm-hmm. So, it's in for me. It's wonderful that it's as, that it's as straightforward and 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 apparently uh, useful as it is. So maybe we could begin to talk about some of the techniques. You say there are three techniques. So let's let's dive into those techniques a little bit. And if you can, uh, Doctor Cheatham, um, kind of make a make it a story rather than just a technique. Tell us, give us a, give sure. us an example of the situation because I think probably many of our listeners um, will. Uh, we'll, we'll be able to identify uh, it, it better if they if they see it in action. You might say. Sure. So let, let's take the the example that I, I gave a moment ago. Uh, you know, it, it's this evening. Uh, you know, and, and you hear a cry from the kitchen. It could be your spouse, could be your child, uh, a parent, uh, and they've cut their hand on on a kitchen knife. Uh, it, many people are scared of uh, when they see blood. Um, but what we teach people is that you literally just take what you have. Uh, and so in the kitchen tonight, you might literally just grab uh, a hand towel, a tea towel, whatever you like to call it, and literally just apply pressure. So the first of the three techniques that we teach is just applying pressure, and that will stop bleeding the majority of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then based upon how much bleeding there's been, uh, it might be something that you could handle at home, or you might need to go uh, to an emergency room, or even if it's severe, call 911. But the, the first step is literally just holding pressure, and that will stop bleeding the majority of the time. So now, uh, so now let, let, let's 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 dive into that a little deeper. Now, you're saying applying pressure. So you're saying you're you're having a let's say you've got a hand towel or a kitchen towel. We're talking in the kitchen now. We they've cut their their hand and it's bleeding rather profusely. So you're saying, as I understand it, you're saying grab something that's close at hand, whether it's a, a, a towel of some, but something soft, presumably, and something probably of a cottony nature, and simply p- apply pressure directly on the bleeding area. Do I understand you correctly? Correct. And, and many people are worried, oh my goodness, uh, you know, it's not sterile. Uh, right. It doesn't right. have to be sterile. Right, exactly. Uh, we'll, we'll, We'll deal with any infection risk later. We want to stop the bleeding. Okay. Uh, we all have a certain amount of blood uh, inside our body, uh, and apart from transfusing with somebody else's blood, it's not something that, that you know I can just reach on a shelf uh, necessarily and give you more of your blood. And so blood is a precious resource. We want to keep it inside your body, uh, and so the sooner we can stop the bleeding, the better. So you just grab whatever you have, uh, you know, it could even be some paper towels, uh, which are actually very, very clean. Uh, it could be a dish towel. Uh, if you happen to have, uh, you know, sterile gauze, that's always great, too. But uh, many people are worried about infection risk, and what we teach is that that is really not as much of a concern as, as you might think. Okay. So you, just like you said, you want to apply direct pressure directly over the area of bleeding and hold that pressure uh, you know, you don't keep looking underneath to see if the bleeding has stopped. You want to hold direct pressure. Right. And as long as the bleeding seems like it's stopped, uh, I would wait a couple minutes, and then you can make a decision as to whether you need to go seek medical attention or not. Okay. So let's take another, exa- another example, another situation. Describe us another, because uh, you, you also talk about wound packing. So how is that different from direct pressure with the, with the hand towel, for instance? 
Sure. So uh, a more extensive wound, uh, such as, uh, you know, uh, uh, you could get in the garage, uh, you know, working with tools or something along those lines, or if you come across uh, someone who's been involved in a car crash and has a, an open wound, a gaping wound, uh, simply applying pressure on the top of that wound is not going to be uh, terribly effective. So the second technique, as you mentioned, is to pack the wound. So again, you take whatever cloth uh, you have uh, and you actually stuff the cloth down into that wound so that the cloth is, again, it's touching the area that is actively bleeding. Uh, if you just lay it on top, it's going to continue to bleed underneath. So right. we teach people to pack wounds. You want to pack that wound tightly. Uh, so, uh, you know, really kind of, for lack of a better uh, term, stuff the cloth down into the wound and then apply direct pressure on top of that that wad of cloth that you've now placed into the open wound. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, and so again, we're not worrying about infection; that we can take care of that later, and also, and also, we're we're sort of not worrying about personal responsibility either, because there is that whole uh, uh, conception that if you if you're a bypasser and you stop and you help somebody like that, you're you're legally protected. So, uh, tell us a little bit about that sensibility, because uh, that for many of our listeners who may think, well, I. You know, there I am, I'm on the street, where there's just the two of us, the person who's bleeding, and then there's me, and uh, then I'm taking responsibility. So talk about the, uh, the the legal situation of people intervening the way you've suggested we do. Sure, that that's a common question that we get asked, and what we're describing is commonly known as a Good Samaritan law. Uh, and what that basically says is that you, if you are providing care, uh, to a victim and uh, in their best interest and you're you're doing uh, something that is uh, reasonable uh, for a lay person to do, such as applying direct pressure to a wound, uh, that uh, the, the law will protect you uh, from uh, any uh, legal ramifications. Uh, you know, you, you're doing what is in the patient's, uh, the victim's best interest. And so some people are always worried that they don't want to get involved, um, it would be a travesty if that patient died because somebody didn't want uh, or didn't feel comfortable intervening. What we teach in this course uh, is that you can certainly provide life-saving care to your to your uh, friends, family, uh, even strangers, and save their life uh very easily, very effectively with very uh, simple techniques. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and once we explain this to them, uh, most of the concern with regard to um, getting sued or doing something that you're not trained to do uh, usually goes away very quickly. Right, which I think is a, an understandable concern given the world we live in. So <clears throat> now the last technique, as I understand you teach, is the tourniquet technique. So maybe you could give us a story and a sample of that and give us a, a kind of a visual, paint, paint a picture for us of how, it, how, how a, a, a tourniquet is best applied and what kind of situation would it be most likely to be used. And then give us a sense of even the, you know, how tight. And so if you could, I mean, you're, obviously you can't teach us over the radio, but you can, you can help us feel what it really means to, to do this. So do the best you can with it, if you would. Sure. So the third technique, as you mentioned, is applying a tourniquet. 
Uh, most bleeding will be stopped with either direct pressure or packing the wound, but there are some severe injuries that uh, really will not respond to that. And these are wounds that are bleeding actively, usually from an injury to an artery. Uh, these are life-threatening wounds that uh, could kill a patient uh, in a matter of minutes uh, if uh, proper uh, intervention is not implemented. And so a tourniquet is simply a, uh, a, a band, if you will, almost like a belt that uh, is wrapped around an extremity, an arm or a leg that is bleeding, and it is tightened to apply pressure uh, so that it stops blood flow to that limb and will stop the patient from bleeding to death. Uh, tourniquets have been around for centuries. Uh, they've been used in military conflicts uh, for many, many centuries very effectively. They did uh, get a bad reputation uh, 40, 50 years ago, but it had to do with the fact that patients had tourniquets placed and then they weren't receiving medical care in a timely fashion. And so tourniquets fell out of favor until uh, some of the recent military conflicts in Iraq and Afghanistan uh, where tourniquets were, again, found to be life-saving. And the difference now is that patients get, uh, they're they able to reach medical care uh, much more quickly than they could in years past. So if you put a tourniquet on, uh, it can generally stay on for up to two hours, uh, and the patient will not uh, have any detrimental effects from that. Uh, so if you, uh, you know, Someone is mowing the lawn, uh, they happen to reach under the lawnmower uh, to retrieve a stick or something, and the lawnmower starts and, and they receive a bad laceration to their arm. Uh, or one of the things we see uh, here in Florida a lot is boating uh, accidents mm -hmm. uh, where people come into contact with propellers. Uh, they can bleed quite a bit from a wound like that. Uh, and so putting a tourniquet on, uh, is a very effective way to stop uh, bleeding. And so we not infrequently see patients brought into our level one trauma center with a tourniquet on. Those can be tourniquets that are placed by uh, firemen at the scene, paramedics, or even by the public. Uh, tourniquets are something that you can buy readily online. Uh, I actually keep one on my belt, you know, wherever I go. Uh, my wife and my daughters have them in the cars uh, that we own. Um, and so it's something that you can buy and keep around uh, your house or in your car. Uh, you, can, uh, you can improvise a tourniquet. Uh, they don't work as well as the ones that you can buy. Um, but uh, you can use a belt or a scarf uh, or a piece of fabric. Um, but you'll, you'll find that uh, pretty much every soldier nowadays has a tourniquet on them, and they're considered out of uniform if they do not have it on their person wow. because they've become such an effective tool at saving lives. Right. Uh, so uh, having a tourniquet, a uh, very, very effective way. And so what we do is we, we um, encourage people to create what we call a stop-the-bleed kit, and that includes... Uh, gloves, uh, gauze, uh, and a tourniquet, uh, and have those readily available. We've been putting them in uh, public arenas, uh, churches, schools, uh, so that they're readily available when someone uh, is at risk of life-threatening bleeding. 
And this course now, as I understand it, is is given by hospitals and police departments and fire departments and this sort of thing. So it is not impossible to find this class. So just in the same way we can take our CPI classes, uh, we can we can find stop the bleed classes. So is there a website our listeners can go to to find out if there's a stop the bleed training near where they live? Uh, so you can uh, you can go to a, there are a number of different websites, but bleedingcontrol.org okay. uh, is the official uh, website for the American College of Surgeons Stop the Bleed uh, course. Okay. Uh, you know we we used to be, before COVID, uh, we would run sometimes two or three courses a day here in Orlando uh, at various schools, churches, civic groups, uh, and the like. Uh, Now that we're doing so many things from our own homes, I would encourage all of your listeners to go to bleedingcontrol.org. There are some very excellent videos that they can watch uh, that uh, are the same videos that we use in the course. Uh, And they could literally take this course uh, today if they wanted to uh, and learn how to stop bleeding. Well, Dr. Cheatham, that's that's one. (coughs) Excuse me, that's a wonderful news, and I think it's a really great gift to the public. So we appreciate that, and we also appreciate you taking the time to explain us to us here at Health Matters Radio. So thank you for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. All right, good day to you, sir.